1: to you and welcome to another Power Up Tuesday right here on TDN Radio. You are now listening to Untapped Potential with Dr. Simone for today, Tuesday, July 13th, 2021. And it is wonderful to be with you for yet another episode of Untapped Potential. I do hope that your Sunday and Monday have already been productive, but if those days have not been productive, then no worries because that is what we come here each and every Tuesday to do a get together to get powered up for the week ahead. If you've been listening to the program, you know that we have an an inspiring guest every week and we have great music. We have some tips for how to be consistent when working on your personal goals. So just all the things that we need to have a productive week to get energized for the week ahead. So again, welcome to the program. I hope that the weather is wonderful wherever you're joining us from. If you're listening, from dominica the caribbean region or the rest of the world i want to say good evening to you and thank you for being here uh, with me for Untapped Potential. As we know, there's a lot going on in the world this day. So we heard about the assassination of the Haitian president, and it seems like the investigation into that is coming along quite nicely. And we also had the untimely death of two Dominican uh, pillars, Mr. Patrick Roland-John, which many of us know him as the very first president minister of Dominica, the man who led us into independence. So Mr. Patrick Roland john died at the age of 83 um, last Tuesday, I believe. And that was followed uh, in quick pursuits by Mr. Curtis Augustus, a a union man who fought for the rights of the Dominica employees. So two untimely deaths in Dominica. So we want to uh, send condolences to the family and the friends of those who have left us. And if you have experienced a personal loss recently, we our hearts also go off, out to you. So again, thank you for being here. We have a full program for you uh, this evening. Last week, we talked about having Shanika Hamilton on the program, but with the unfortunate passing of Patrick John, I thought that that it would be more appropriate to have an interview that he did a couple of years ago with a dear friend and colleague of mine, Mr. Alex Bruno, journalist out of Dominica, now a political science adjunct professor uh, in Florida. So we will listen to an interview from Mr. Patrick Roland John from 20. 16, where he talks about his early beginnings, what inspired him to get into politics, um, how football, um, American would refer to it as soccer, but we call it football in Dominica, how football played such a critical role in giving him the discipline and the structure that he needed to become the person that he eventually became the very first prime minister of Dominica. So we have a lot to cover. So I'm certainly happy that you're here with us this evening as we get powered up for the week ahead. And don't forget to stay tuned until the end of the program, because we have an important tip for you on how to stay consistent with your goals. I think we can all identify with those negative thoughts that always seem to Creep into our minds in terms of you know what we cannot achieve. So I thought we would listen to a bit of information on how to get rid of those negative thoughts that might be holding us back. So stay tuned till after the interview with Mr. Patrick Roland John for some information on how to get rid of those negative thoughts once and for all. And we'll also talk about who's coming up next. Most likely it will be the interview with Shanika that we should have been doing today, but we have put it off until next week. So again, thank you for being here. Don't forget to let everyone know that we are here. It's 5.30 on Tuesday afternoon. And as always, we are here to get powered up for the week. So don't forget to invite everyone to join us right here on TDN Radio for Untapped Potential. So let's begin with this number from Colton T, a song entitled "Phase." as we remember to stay grateful for all that we have in this world, all the comforts that we enjoy. um, If you live in the US, if you live in a if you're living a comfortable life, we have to remember to be grateful. And even when we have challenges, we have to be grateful for whatever is going right in our lives. So again, let's enjoy this number from Colton T, a song entitled faith and it will be followed immediately by the recorded interview done by Mr. Alex Bruno of Patrick Roland John, the fam- former prime minister of Dominica, uh, who has unfortunately passed on, so stay tuned!
0: Me. They could never face me though, they could never face me though The amount of struggles on my face and today I'm a still alright you just believing on yourself, cause faith in yourself is a light Don't dwell on the past, tell yourself that the future'll be bright You're yeah, from your eyes if you possess the energy ever fight yeah My struggles day more temporary My trouble days could never face me They could never face me though Yeah They could never face me though yeah. Expectations breed disappointments but. Stressing over things you can't control is a problem Avoid them if you can't do it No situation is permanent And nothing bad lasts forever But struggle is a part of the life that we live So best get it together My struggles they more temporary And my trouble days God never face me They God never face me though Never pierce me though Amount of struggles so on my face, and today I'm a alright right. Just believe in on yourself. Cause faith in yourself is light. Don't dwell on the past. Tell yourself that the future will be bright. From your half-life, you possess the energy of a fighter. Yeah. My struggles they my temporary. Trouble never fears me, they could never face me, though.
2: Yeah, what people remember you for most of all is that you have been the first prime minister of Dominica. Um, I will allow you to deal with that in a little while, but generally, is there any particular theme that your life has been governed by?
3: Well, I think uh, my entire life has been governed by God, and um, I have learned to accept things that go wrong with me and accept the things that went well with me and I always say it is God's will whenever it happens I think that was made me survive all the tribulations and the successes I've had in my life you spoke of tribulations and successes
2: and I guess in everyone's life you find um, these the, there has to be the balance you decided to come here to the cross at the cross at the foot of the cross at one was a particular connection
3: well I promptly I believe that anything that I have to do I need god's grace before i i do it and that's why i chose the cross which is a quiet place you could have gone in a church but i'd rather um come by the cross and overlook the city that i once administered through god's grace you did very
2: well okay pj your life let's tell me your life story so i could tell the nation about the things that happened to you even at the other times when you would not even know where they were
3: happening from from scratch from your birth Well, my life story is an up and down life story. And um, let us see, I was born in 1937 on the 8th of January. As I recall, my mother told me that was a Thursday. And um, my mother had 13 children, and I am number 13. And some people say it's an unlucky number, but I don't believe in in, in unlucky, unlucky. And born in Roseau, in Kennedy Avenue, at the time, just called New Street, the number of the house is forty-five. It is a building that was opposite to Jay's Bookstore. And uh, from there, my mother was a huckster, my father was a boatman. He works on the port, and uh, uh, they, since I was the last child, they attempted to give me everything better than the other children. who Rose, so they they used to call me the little prince of the. John's family, and for that reason, in my entire family, I was the only one who got a secondary education because of the economical problems at the time and the, the, the financial strain on my parents. In spite of all that, my parents were able to send me to preschool. I went to St. Um, High St. Edwin School. She was my first teacher and then I went to St. David's school with Mary davis spear the former speaker, and Clark of Assembly was my next teacher. From there I went to St. Joseph's School, um, the father of Joseph, and from there to the Rosa Boys School, and then to the St. Mary's Academy, where I graduated.
2: So this was basically a boyhood time. It, um, you, of course, touched my nerves a little while when you said that you were the only one in your family to have gotten uh, a high
3: school education.
2: How did that make you feel, the little John the little boy?
3: Well, at the, at, the, at the beginning I felt embarrassed because um, my other brothers and sisters, they were not happy about it because they had to take care of me and, um, and they felt that they had the opportunity also to go to secondary school. But because of they had to stay home to take care of me, they, they were denied that opportunity. And I got that opportunity and therefore I decided, well, once I was given that opportunity, I had to make it good for the members of my family to say that whatever sacrifices they made at the time it was worthwhile.
2: Did you make use of that opportunity PJ?
3: I think being here now as one of the 100 great Dominicans surely indicated that I made use of the opportunity.
2: What would have been the significant highlight of that era, the time when you started school until, um high school?
3: Well I would say my, my football and sporting days because at that, at that time while Although I was very good at school academically, but yet I, was, I excelled also in athletics, football and cricket. And um, the highlight was when I made the inter-school tournament. At that time, the grammar school and the academy were together, and would, would um, have a joint team. And I was selected to represent Dominica at inter-school level, and we went to St. Vincent. And in St. Vincent, I was a keeper at the time, and I was selected on the Windward Island youth team as a youth keeper. and when I came back to Dominica, I was brought in on national trials with Alec Reed, who was one of the best keepers at the time, and was selected as his deputy to go to Grenada to play football, but that year I had to sit my exams, and the school prevented me from going, so my cricket career ended there abruptly.
2: You said you were selected as a deputy keeper next to
3: Mr. Reed. Alec Reed. Alec Reed,
2: that yes. maybe we know about. Yes. But you couldn't make the tour?
3: No, because we had exams coming up, and I was told to either choose cricket or the exams. I chose the exams, and Carlton Peters went up as the next wicket keeper without even playing a trial match. So that's a chance that um, I had as a youth. You know, I, 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 every time I see Wayne Phillip behind the wicket, I, I always think about the time, I had that kind of opportunity. You but
2: you that
3: um, I was among the best. And if there were only two people on trial, I'd agree myself, then it means I was up way there, top class. That's quite
2: interesting. I didn't quite um, learn so much about your cricketing prowess I, I more know you in terms of your, your football fame. And that of course we have to touch a, touch a little on because you played football in high school and you would have been a very young represent um, player on the, on the national team. Tell us a little about the football and then we'll get back into the second aspect of your your, your high school experience. Well school
3: that team. came in while I was still playing at school. As a matter of fact monstrat came in to play Dominica and um, they were missing two players got sick and they wanted one player and they chose me from the academy to play for Mondstadt so I actually my first representation for a national team was for Monstrat against Dominica in Dominica. As a matter of fact, after that game, and I scored the only goal for Monstrat, Dom- Dominica team gave them 10-1 and I scored that only goal, and um, they called, you used to call me Patrick Monstrat after that time. But after that, um, I was then called in the trials in 55, and I made the Dominica team on that side. I played for Dominica for about 17 years, and 10 of those 17 years I played for the Greenwood Island team
2: for the national team 17 years and yeah. 10 years for the Win-Water Win-Water.
3: team. I mean 17 years is a lot of years to look back at. Well I started football very young I mean when I came in on the scene I was just about 17 18 when I made the national team and um, you know I just went on you know I stopped playing cricket because I football was a shorter uh, a shorter sport it gave me more time to go and do my studies and do whatever I have to do you just play for in those days you played for 60 minutes. And um, 60 minutes football, after that you're out. Cricket is three, four days, and I just cut off cricket and continue playing my football.
2: While we're on football, let us just finish the football agenda and then we'll continue. I know the football agenda takes you into um, even adulthood, or, well, because you were mm-hmm. in the 30s when you, when you quit playing. Mm-hmm. But let's complete the football agenda, and then we'll, we'll, we'll backtrack a little to, to take it up from the high school time. Um, your football seemed to have been very impressive. I have been told stories by Thomas Baptist. Guys, that you were one of the most prolific players for the, the Dominican national team and the Windward team. What position you played in the, on the field?
3: Well, the, the strange thing is, when I played for Combermere, I played midfield. And one, um, no, I played. I suppose played for a team called Yorkshire. I was playing on the forward line. I was a striker. Now, with Combermere, I played as a striker also. But they played me as inner right with Laroc inner left, and dashing on the forward, in the forward. When things got bad, I dropped back to the centre and played midfield. But every time they, I was selected for the national team. In my first three years, they played me as striker. When I replaced Bernard Eugene, who was the national striker, I played on the ball. After three years, they found that I was a worker, and I used to move back helping. And then they played me as inner left for the national team. And for all the years I played, I played as in the left. And even when Clem John came in, who used his left foot more, they played him in a right. And he played me in the left. And um sometimes we in the change, and it doesn't matter where we play. You know, we we had a, a sort of system with Dashin Clem and myself and Cecil Larok. That it doesn't matter one time when I'm sending the forward one time. In the left, in a right and you know. But uh, I, I think um that the position I, I cherished most was when I was playing on the ball as center forward.
2: And you played that position for the Winwards team? No, for the Winwards
3: team I played inner left.
2: In yes,
3: inner left on the Winwards team.
2: Your captains, can you recall a few of the captains you might have served with?
3: On the national team? And Winwards. Um, the national team I had Thomas Baptist. I had um, Leroy Schillingford, um, I played on the Alan Guy, these are the captains I, I can recall, and uh, the, the, the Windward Islands, most of the time a was always captain, so I played on the Grenadier for most of the time until one year they selected a Vincent Vincentian as the captain.
2: Any particular reason why the Grenadiers would always be captain? Well
3: Grenada at the time was dominating Windward Island football, and they usually have selected the captain from the not the champion, the Windward Island champion. So we found that mostly Grenada and Saint Vincent dominated. Often on Dominica would get the second slot, often on the first slot. But um, the dominance was Grenada at the time.
2: Which game would have been the biggest game that you played in, in football, in your football career?
3: Well, we haven't got many big games at the time. And what happened in Dominica, we played the Winwood Island tournament regularly. But besides that, battleships would come in, and then we'd play battleships. Then we would play Martinique and Guadeloupe, and uh, they were more advanced than us at the time. But we gave them a run for the money most of the time. We beat them, the beaters. So I would say that the biggest game I ever played for Dominica then, besides the Windward, which was a regular feature, it would be between Martinique and Guadeloupe.
0: So, yes. No.
3: No, it was um, Guadeloupe Martinique national, national
2: team. Yes. Okay. What? What about? And I want to if you can explain somehow, because I know all the great players are, are guys who are relatively, well, not too tall. And you are not a very big man in stature, although you are big in fame and everything else. But do you have an advantage as a shorter player in, in, in football? Is there some science about that?
3: I don't know what it is in science, but the, the, the thing is, probably because of my height and my closeness to the ground, I was faster than other players. And then my body movement a key aspect of my life as a footballer. I had a sway that while I was a, good, a very good dribbler, I seldom dribble, but I would beat players just with my body movements. And it is because I was so close to the ground that when I, I swore on the ground, the guy watched me down, and um, it was difficult to, to really get get me. I, I would move in and out like a worm. And I, I think um, my stature and my size gave me the the, the added advantage having being very quick, been very quick and in those days very fit, so being very quick and able to think fast because I was a very good reader of the game. I would look at the game while the game is going in it, and tell the captain, okay I'm moving to that position and eventually we get a goal. So I was a good move, um, reader of the game and a quick, quick, very quick.
2: If you had to play football all over again, what would you have done more than you did, more than you did the last time?
3: I don't believe there's anything more I could have done. But what I would say is that the kind of benefits and advantages that footballers have now, I believe I would have got a contract to play outside Dominica.
2: Well, we'll speak about the benefits and advantages of football because that's actually another cap that you wear. And we will get into the DFA and to the football administration later on, BJ. But I'm very happy and I, I learned a few things. I didn't know that you played 17 Street years for the Nationals. You might have 10 of those for the islands. I believe that's quite remarkable. What ad- sort of advice would you have for the um, young and boring players that we have now, from a player's perspective?
3: Well, I find some of the players, we have the talent here in Dominica. We have the talent and uh, the players have to dedicate themselves. It is not a thing about coming to Windsor Park and take a sweat. When I played football, I never came to take sweat. I took my training seriously because I had a goal to make the national team and to go further than that. Our players now have, they have the people, they have World Cup. They have to condition themselves mentally, physically and they must train hard. We have a situation where players would give their all all for the club and don't care anything about the national team. In our days, while we gave all all for our club, it was an honor to represent Dominica. And, uh, now players believe they give you they're granting you a favour to play for Dominica. I mean some of them must understand clearly, I will say that, some people may not be happy, but I'll say that some of the footballers who are playing football who've got the talent, people would not know them, except for football. So football has made them and they have a responsibility to make sure that they put something into football and into the nation. That was a closure
2: on the football agenda in terms of you as a player. We'll get back to the FIFA, as I said, in a little while, and the DFA. But, P.J., you left school. You left high school, as you told me previously. And then it was a new venture for you.
3: What happened after leaving high school? Well, it, it wasn't so much of a new venture because while I was at school, I was trained to be a teacher. So, as a student, whenever a teacher was absent, the brothers used me to teach. So I, I started getting the concept of teaching while I was a student, so I was more or less a student teacher as a student. So as soon as I graduated, I was just enrolled immediately as a teacher in the St. Mary's Academy. And um, I taught religion to the prep and it was Form 1. I taught Latin from Form 1 to Form 4. I taught geography in the entire school. I taught maths. In form one to form two, and I taught Spanish in form form three B. And besides this, I was the assistant coach of the tumbling team and the sports master of the school.
2: How what period of time did you teach? Um, did you teach and carry well? To get started
3: immediately after the results of our um, exams in '56. For how long? I I taught for three years.
2: Following that, what happened?
3: I moved to which, which is there was a big job there going in the shipping department, and I moved into Witcher um, with um, Mr. Coulthard and Bernice Head, Mrs. Head. And I worked with Delaney there in the shipping department. And while I was there, the plight hit me of the workers on the waterfront. And I decided, well, I have to champion the cause, bearing in mind I know what my father went through when he was a worker. How old were you then, PJ? um 50, 61 probably i was
2: about 28 or something like that. you decided to take on your shoulder the, the, the mantle of champion because of the workers yes now did you find that very accommodating when you started
3: you decided to do it that was very difficult but well, i said my father was one of the port workers and they were working under adverse conditions and no proper representation at the time and uh, therefore i decided well Looking at a lot of the workers there, I felt I could have made a difference in improving their conditions and their, their lives. And I became a member of the union. At that time, it was the Dominica Trade Union, and they had a, what they call the port section, a port branch of the union. And eventually, I became a lecturer for CCL, and I lectured during that period. I lectured in Dominica, Antigua, Montserrat, Grenada. And um, Saint Lucia, I went on a lot, and then I was sent to University of McGill, then University of Montreal, uh, where I did some courses in in um, economics, in trade union history, the question of collective bargaining, uh, the question of public um, and public relations, and negotiating techniques. And when I returned, um, I then decided to there are some monies of the union was used to service the the, um, the general section and it was wrong because all workers had to put 25 cents out of their funds every boat and that went into a special fund to take care of them when they were sick in particular for medicine and their sickness and um i asked to see the books and i was refused then i called the general meeting of the port section indicated to them the situation and then again, we applied to to see the books, and then we were refused. And the next thing I knew, I was charged for conspiring to overthrow the, the union. And um, while well we took a, a strong stand that we want to see the books in spite of the charges, the, the, the case was called in absence here because the executive who charged me with the ones sitting in judgment. And I told him that was against the principles of natural justice, and therefore, I will not I will not attend the trial I was expelled from the trade union movement Dominica trade union the night I was expelled workers all 350 workers walked out from the union they expelled themselves and asked me to register the seamen and waterfront workers union we did that and that union came into both in the 60s 62 or there, or 63 or around there and um, today I'm proud that my, my, my uh, mustard seed has become a great old oak tree, and today, that the um fund and allied workers union is the most powerful union in Dominica.
2: Do you get the feeling, PJ, that um, for you to make a, 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 a another move, a bold move, there has to be or there had to have been some level of controversy, or even turmoil around that particular event. Do you get that feeling?
3: Yes, I got that feeling because um, the employers at the time, members of the shipping department, they look at me as very progressive and um, they didn't want me to be around with the union because they felt I knew too much. Remember, I worked in the shipping department and I knew all the, the way they cut and cleave. And um, they wanted the Officers of the union to continue because they were bodies, and whereas I was making greater demands for the workers to get respect, respect for their living conditions to be better, and that's something that the trade union was not was was not addressing at the time. And um, I had to rock the boat. I had to rock the boat to get it done. Sometimes you have to rock the boat to get certain things on Sometimes you have to let smooth waters run. But on that occasion, in order to get what we wanted to make it better for the workers, I had to rock the boat, in spite of me being expelled and almost dismissed because we called in order to get recognition, we called a day strike, we called a, a, a full day strike and um, there were five boats in port and they, they, the Dominica trade union could not get one worker to work and we were on the port singing solidarity songs and when I left my work to go on solidarity the guys because if I wasn't there the guy would pull out so I spent most of my time my working day with them. And when I returned to work the afternoon about two thirty, I can recall this very, very, very well. Mr Tommy Coulter, he was then manager of the trade union of the witchurches. And he called me to his office and he pulled out a pad and he woke and he wrote on it W U. He draw a line and put W on one side and U on the other side. And he told me to choose. So I said "Well, choose what? He said between W and U. So I said, what's W and U? He said, W stands for We Church, and U stands for Union. He said, you know, you choose where you want to go, We Church or the Union. So I told him, I'm not choosing. He said, you got to choose. I said, but look, God made me, and he gave me a choice to choose between heaven and earth, and up to now, between heaven and hell. And I said, up to now, I haven't chosen between heaven and hell. So I never want to choose between heaven If you want to dismiss me, dismiss me. Then I went back to the, the waterfront, and I indicated to them what happened. Guys turned back and they came to the church. And they then threatened, called her, that if I was dismissed from the job, then we the church would face a boycott of cargo and I was left alone. But after a year going on, working from the church, going into the union, the union then called me and told me, Look, you've got to leave the church and come and work full time with us. And I just resigned and went to the union.
2: So you resigned from what position at which church to what position at the union? From
3: assistant um, manager of shipping to General Secretary of the Union. You served that in, in that position at the Union for how long? Um, quite a few years until I was called into politics. Well, in the 60s, because I went into politics in the 70s, so what, well over 12 years? Okay.
2: So I'm happy you mentioned politics, because that seemed to have been the most colorful aspect of your life. Although sometimes I, pr- I prefer to promote, I, I believe politics is a noble thing. I mean, no matter how you look at it, some of us sometimes put a stain on it or whatever, but I believe it's meant to be a noble thing. I believe the great politicians in the past are men who walked close to God and who continue to be prophesied in, in the Bible. However, PG, before we get into that little aspect that I know a lot of people want to hear about, I want to ask you again. Because talking to you, I seem to get the feeling that there always is a little fracas that follows you. And whenever the fracas came, you got to be elevated. Right now, I believe that we, will be, we have been hearing a few things in the Dominican press about PG and bringing back seventy-nine to, to an extent. Does that mean, PJ, that there's something big going to happen to you? I mean, in the not the distant future? Well, um,
3: that question, I think, I leave it to God to decide my, my destiny, whatever he has for me coming up, I'll take it.
2: But don't you get the feeling that something's good going to happen to you?
3: Well, every time those things come up, I know that I, I move up a higher notch. And I'm expecting something greater than that. I'm expecting something greater.
2: There's something that you know you know tell I don't
3: you. know anything yet but um the trend of my life is a controversy and I'm elevated so the controversy of started again I expect some time to be elevated again if that trend continues
2: well I, I won't tease your brain on that I, I mean let's, let's wait and see what comes when it comes and yeah. I'm very happy for you when it do come
3: yeah it, it, it will be God's it will be God's appointment and um, I'll accept it whatever comes I will accept it what you would like something you don't mind something where you can be allowed to serve the people well let us put it that way at the moment I'm serving many people again in football probably in a different capacity not in politics and anyhow you can serve your country it may be in government it may be in, in sports it may be in culture anyhow you can serve your country I believe that you have to give it the best shot and I think that any time they call me to serve the country in any capacity I will accept it
2: that's where my my kind of thinking is headed service in terms of country on a a higher level however we'll do that when it comes around and i hope it really comes soon for your sake pj because i believe that you deserve it and whatever i mean credits or merits that you get would be in keeping with your qualifications first of all and your zeal and your love for people that i I know of
3: i think you have hit the nail on the on the head
2: i've been told that you are natural and I have no learning that you're qualified very well qualified to do the things that you have done in the past how and where and when was the first notion
3: given to you that you would be asked to take, get involved in politics well this thing came by accident it was not something that I look forward to I I never liked politics and i um, there's one politician I admired for, the, for years when I was a schoolboy, was Frank Baron, and if, if you know, for Frank Barron's sake, I could go into politics, and I, I you know, I supported Frank Baron, I liked him as chief minister of the, of the country. But they, there was a split in nineteen seventeen in the Labour Party. But before that, the Labour Party decided to contest the, in 1965 decided to contest the general, the town Kongsu election on a party basis. And the DUPP then decided also to contest on a party basis. So Mr. Libla came to see me with Anul Active at home and um, asked me to run for the Labour Party. I said well, I wasn't interested in politics and I don't like it because your whole life is an open book and those and some sort of things. And the kind of, if you get on platform and I'm not sure whether I could Rise above Napoleon, or take it. So I, said, no, 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 I'm not in the same. Then he promised, well, you'll be the long, you'll be the youngest male, if you, you know, you accept, and you will win. You're a very popular guy, and you'll win. I said, no way, no way. And after, probably about half an hour discussing with Mister Libner he convinced me, and I said, okay, I will contest for the Labour Party. And Libner left. About half an hour after, Baron comes to me. And that is I mean the, the man I would say yes to. But I am a person who will stick to principles. I told him but Lipna just came to me half an hour ago and I gave my word. I, I, I cannot I cannot um, change my word. Say, Money, you need to change your word, that's only man, you change your mind. I said no, I gave the man my word and that was it. And I think that drew the line with me and Frank Barr. And I contested the election, won it, and became the youngest mayor at twenty eight now after serving there in 70 trouble started in the Labour Party and Mr. Leblanc had to dismiss three ministers and he called me up to Monrose. I was then General Secretary of the party but not as- aspiring to be in any because I saw all the big guns there and I couldn't see me getting into there at all and then and then he said that Patrick has to run in Rosenhof I said me? Rosenhof? I said no 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 no, no way And he said we can win. I said, but Dukrey held this seat for 13 years. And I I mean, he said you'll you'll make it, you'll make it. Anyway, they convinced me, and I I ran that year. Dukrey ran as incumbent. eugenia Charles ran, and Masculine ran. And I thought that Masculine was sent to to portray the poor man situation like me also, so that he would cut votes from me. But I won the election handsomely, and a bit. Um, Ducroe was there for 13 years. He lost it, but only 96 votes. I beat Eugenia Charles by 500 and something votes. And next thing, LeBlanc called me the next morning and told me, you come up to Monroes. Bruce. I was appointed a minister. And from there, it was no turning back. I mean, you know, I would say, well, it was a binding tie. And I, I just moved in from there. And I served in every ministry during my period of, in, in office for the nine years
2: first time you won would have been the election of
3: 1970
2: and the people the incumbent and everybody is including the, the dame.
3: they lost I did the game by 585 votes the incumbent lost his deposit and about got only six votes what worked for you huh God in the first entrance and, and my trust in my fellow men I was a kind of popular person at the time very popular I had the Union behind me as a matter of fact they uncorp very interesting discussion Miss producer very we're in the heart of the thing now politics <laughs>
2: okay Peter you the people that um, so well,
3: members of the union came to me and they encouraged me and well one of the key aspect of that business was my mother my mother didn't like politics and she didn't want me to go into it and I went into it and my mother stopped talking to me because of politics I'll go and see my mother and um, I'd bring groceries and so on, I'd put it there, and she just refused to talk to me until such time that I pulled out from politics. And I, I, the more I tried to convince my mother, she would not budge, so I kept into my politics, and my mother and myself were not on speaking terms because of politics. When Liblan was resigning, my mother called me, and she told me that, I understand that they nominate you to be political leader of the party. I said yes, but you were not speaking to me, with, with, to me for the past three, four years because of politics. no, what's, You know, was the interest? I want you to accept it. Say so you want me to accept the politicality? I want you to accept it, and the conference day, come and get me and take me to the conference. And I took her to the conference, and she lived to see me elected at the um, party convention unopposed. And then... I took my oath, and just before, one week after I I took my oath as Premier of Dominica, my mother passed away. And before she died, she called me and told me, you have taken up the job of leader of this country. Promise me one thing, not to victimize anybody, not to press anybody. Remember where you came from, and always champion the poor help the poor people of this country, She died. And I think during my career, that is what I actually did, to see that the poor people got a better time, a you better are chance. You are listening to
1: Untapped Potential with Dr. Sinope. If you live in Canada, the U.S., and the U.K., and are looking for Dominica products, including cocoa sticks, bay rum, coffee, soaps, crafts, and other popular Dominica items, then look no further. You can now shop on BuyDominicaOnline.com, a secure, easy-to-navigate website selling a wide variety of Dominica-made and Dominica-inspired products. When you shop on BuyDominicaOnline.com, you are helping to grow Dominica's economy. Go to BuyDominicaOnline.com and enjoy Home Away From Home. And if you're just joining us, we were just listening to an interview done by Mr. Alex Bruno of the former prime minister, the first prime minister of Dominica, Mr. Patrick Rowland-John, who unfortunately passed on last week. So, so many lessons that we can learn from Patrick's life, Mr. John's life with regards to discipline, with regards to following a path that almost seemed preordained for him uh, in terms of going from a school teacher to working at a church to eventually finding his way into politics and some important decisions that he had to make along the way as well. So I hope you found his interview to be quite inspirational. And this is the first part of a two-part interview that Alex did with him. And in fact, I believe that in total, Alex did about maybe about six or seven interviews with him, but this is the first part to a two-part series that he originally did with him. So what I will do in the interest of time, I will go ahead and post the second part of this interview to my website, pushpast10.com, so you can enjoy the second half of this interview. So again, I will post it on PUSH. PAST the number 10.com as part of the featured videos for the week, so you can enjoy the second part of this video. And if you're interested in doing so, you can also follow Alex's work on YouTube. He is on YouTube under Alex Bruno, A-L-E-X, last name B-R-U-N-O, Alex Bruno, if you're interested in following the work of Mr. Alex Bruno. So again, thank you for staying with us for this uh, portion of the program. And we remember to Thank our sponsor for this episode of the program, Miss Angela Charles, who is an author and she has written two very important uh, bodies of Work recently, her first Sissy's Journey, which was just published in June of 2021, as well as When God is Silent. So an inspirational author in her own right. And for more information, you can check out her website at angelacharlesauthor.com. So her name, Angela Charles Arthur, A U T H or.com for all the her inspirational material, her poetry that she does. So we thank her for her sponsorship of this episode of Untapped Potential as we work to continue to promote and support each other. So Angela, if you're listening, we want to thank you for coming on board to be a sponsor for this program. So now let's enjoy this one from Exile One, Refleshy, which in English means uh, reflect. As we remind ourselves to always reflect on what we say to people and the thoughts that run through our minds about each other, because again, we are celebrating Kadas month this month and Wadix and the rest of the Kadas influences in Dominica and Paris and around world are doing a tremendous job this month, the month of July 2021, to continue to promote our Kadass music. And I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of the celebration of who we are and a celebration of our music. So enjoy this number from Exile One, Ray and then we will have our uh, goal setting tip for today, which is how to stop negative thinking and then stay tuned as we wind
4: down the program <laughs> cette situation, parfois il y a une conversation Qui mérite un peu de réflexion Ou bien faire un homme battre la fait en femme blessée nos bays Parti par sa volaïe oh, Faut nous passer Avant de nous décider Oh oui, faut nous réfléchir Avant de pouvoir tu Réfléchir avant de parler Refléchis avant mal parler, Refléchis avant critiquer, Refléchis avant juger Refléchis avant attaquer, Refléchis avant couper, Refléchis avant aller, Refléchis avant Oh, pour ça qui ka passe Toujours prêt à raconter Y'on peut pas tant Sans yon répéter Oh, faut nous passer Avant nous à qui Oh oui, faut nous réfléchir Avant d'avoir senti Réfléchir avant parler Avant parler Réfléchir avant répéter Avant répéter Réfléchir avant tomber Réfléchis avant critiqué Réfléchis avant attaqué Réfléchis avant acheté Réfléchis avant marchandé
5: It's Linda Raynor of lindaraynor.com guiding you to a career and life you'll truly enjoy. Now if you are someone who finds yourself constantly thinking negatively, you think negatively about yourself, about your career, your job, the people around you, and you're at a point where you realize that it's constantly happening and you don't know how to stop it, then you are in the right place because today I'm going to walk you through three steps on how to break this addiction that you have to negative thinking. So stay tuned. Now, as a career strategist I have had the honor of being able to help numerous corporate ambitious professionals just like you to land their dream job offers and if this is something that you're interested in working with me one-on-one or learning more about my free resources I can give you all those details at the end of the video so the reason why I've decided to address this topic of how to break the addiction to negative thinking is because You asked me to. I've been getting so many questions from ambitious professionals asking me things like, I can't seem to throw away self-destructive thoughts. Everything is overwhelming. How do you fight against unhealthy thoughts? Or how do I deal with that feeling that I'm not good enough? Or I feel like everyone is against me. How do I get over that? So if any of these sound even remotely familiar to you, then we're going to talk about the strategies on how to get out of this mindset ASAP because it is definitely having an impact on you, your mental, emotional, spiritual well-being and your career. Step number one is to become aware of what you are thinking. In order to stop negative thinking you need to know exactly what those negative thoughts are. You need to know where they're coming from and you need to shine a light on them because without knowing what we tell ourselves Those thoughts will just continue to seep in deeper and deeper within us and they'll continue to multiply and grow. So what you'll do is you'll grab a journal, a piece of paper, find a quiet place and then the first question that you're going to ask yourself is what do I believe about myself? A lot of the time when we're unhappy it's because we tell ourselves a certain narrative. A common narrative that I hear from a lot of ambitious professionals who are unhappy with where they're at is that they tell themselves, I'm just not where I want to be. I'm not where I want to be career-wise, financially, from a personal standpoint, and therefore because they believe that they're not where they want to be, there's just this underlying sense of unhappiness that exists day in and day out, and that allows for more negative thoughts to grow and fester. Another negative belief that you may be holding on to is the most common one, which is, I'm not good enough. Or there's nothing positive, nothing good about what's going on in my life. Or instead, maybe you're judging other people. Maybe you're talking about how other people are causing your life to be a living nightmare. I mean, I don't know, you know, it's kind of funny when we say it out loud, these thoughts that we have within us, but the truth is they are there, they exist, and it's your job to identify them, know exactly what they sound like, what they're saying, and from there work with them. So once you've identified and become aware of your negative thoughts, step number two is to acknowledge where these thoughts came from. So some questions that you want to ask yourself are, when did I start thinking this way? When did I start having these negative thoughts? Where did they come from? Who taught me to think and feel this way? Now, although we can all develop negative thinking habits just as though we can develop positive thinking habits, one thing that I have learned and observed in my life is that more often than not, if you are someone who thinks negatively, it's because you were taught to think negatively. You were taught to think this way. It was a habit, a pattern, a conditioning that was impressed upon you and usually impressed upon you by people who were closest to you, people who raised you, perhaps your parents, perhaps your aunts or uncles or cousins or friends. People who were around you influenced your thinking patterns and that is probably the root as to where this negative thinking began. Now you've heard of the concept nature versus nurture and you're thinking, well, Nature means that that's just part of my personality. That's just who I am. But when it comes to the nurture aspect and when it comes to negative thinking, that is a pattern, that is a habit that you have been taught from an external perspective. And that is why the people who we grew up with actually have played a big role in the way that we think and react to the world. For example, if growing up your mom happened to be someone who was, let's say, an excessive worrier and she would always think about the worst case scenarios and for you, let's say you did something wrong while you were growing up she would then discipline you for not thinking about the worst case scenarios that could have happened and for what else could have gone wrong. You end up learning and picking up on this habit of thinking, this way of thinking. So that's what I mean when I say that certain types of negative thinking can be transmitted to you. Or for example, let's say that you grew up with the idea from your parents that you just weren't good enough compared to your siblings. Maybe you weren't as good enough as your brother or your sister at school or with sports, whatever it may be. And so you grow up feeling this sense of inferiority. You feel less than, you feel not as good enough compared to your siblings, but then you start feeling not as good enough in general. And that is a negative thinking pattern that was basically impressed upon you. Otherwise, if no one told you that you weren't good enough, if people encouraged you a little bit more growing up, if your parents didn't compare you, maybe you wouldn't have walked away with that pattern of thinking that I need to be better because I'm not good enough as I am. So this is why acknowledging where your negative thought patterns came from is so key. So that's what you want to do. That's step number two. Now let's move on to step number three. Step number three is to release and shift. Now this final step is the most powerful step because you can acknowledge your negative thoughts all day long. You can know about where they came from all day long. But if you do nothing to get rid of them, to eliminate them, to replace them with more positive thoughts, then it's the same as doing nothing. So in step number three, there are two mini steps that I want you to take. The first step is to fully release and let go of that negative thought. And to help you, this is what you can say to yourself. I see what you are, I know where you came from, and I no longer let you have power over me. Thank you for making me realize that you are here and I am willing to now let you go. You wanna fully intend to release these negative thoughts one by one by saying this phrase, to each and every single negative thought that you've been holding on to. Now, the mini step number two is to then shift from where you're at into a more positive state. And the way you'll do this is you're going to include a but, B-U-T. You're going to include a but in your sentence. So what you're going to say is something along the lines of, I know at times I feel worthless and not good enough. but." I know deep down that it's not actually true and I'm open to getting to know my positive traits every day. So that's just an example right then and there that you can say if you're someone who struggles with that feeling of not feeling good enough, you're going to say, I acknowledge that there are days that I feel not good enough and I feel worthless, however, or but I'm willing to look at myself in a different light. I'm willing to learn about my positive traits. So it's not like you're shifting from one extreme to the other. I'm super negative, I don't think I'm worth anything, and then all of a sudden I'm going to change it to I'm amazing. It's just not possible. Our brains don't work like that. We need to include the but in between and be able to transition from negative to positive. So those are my three steps on how to break the addiction to negative thinking as long as you are willing to put in the effort to make these shifts These and release these thoughts every single day, you are going to be on a brighter, better path.
1: So, I hope you can see why I uh, selected this particular piece of information to share with you. And just a reminder, this is a YouTube clip and the young lady who's speaking, her name is Linda Rainier. So I always like to make sure that we're sharing resources that we can always benefit from. So if you'd like to follow uh, Linda Rainier, you can do so on YouTube. She has a lot of in great information that we can all benefit from. So again, her name is Linda LIT. L-I-N-D-A, and her last name is R-A-Y-N-I-E-R. So again, R-A-Y-N-I-E-R. So Linda. Ranier. That sounds like a tongue twister, right? (laughs) I've been trying to pronounce it for a little while now. So if you'd like to follow her, please do so on her YouTube channel for a lot more inspiration. So thank you for being here. Thank you for staying with us till the end of the program. Again, we will have uh, Shanika Hamilton join us next week as we continue our uh, inspirational guests. Don't forget to check out the featured video of the second part of Alex's Interview with Mr. Patrick Roland John, former Prime Minister of Dominica on pushcast10.com, P-U-S-H-P-A-S-T, the number 10.com, uh, for more information. And while you're there, also remember to check out the past podcast of any of the episodes of the program you may have missed along the way. So again, thank you for being here. It was truly a pleasure spending this time with you. I look forward to spending, uh, the 5.30 to 6.30 hour every Tuesday with you for another episode of Untapped Potential with Dr. Simone. And I look forward to being in your company next week at the same time. So until then, remember your life story is your strength. Remember to tap into your potential each and every day. Remember to stay strong, stay positive and stay engaged with the goals that we're trying to to work on and you know I'm thinking at the end of the year maybe we can have a couple of people share some of the goals that they were able to accomplish Um, this year as for me 2020 was a difficult year for many of us but I was fortunate to be able to work on several projects including landing this radio show as well as recently landing the Q95 Roots Connections on Q program so if you're looking for a great program to enjoy uh, to Tomorrow, Wednesday, as a matter of fact, from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, you can check me out on Wise uh, Q95 FM in Dominica for Roots Connections on Q, as we tap into the potential of our Dominican brothers and sisters here and in Dominica and abroad, as they share their expertise on various topics. So again, thank you for being here. And I look forward to being in your company next week, 5.30 Eastern time right here on TDN Radio. So until then, you take care.